nature of your thoughts, gentlemen, when you say you move your lips in a particular way? You not see how haphazard this audit is. The devil is in the detail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a cover-up. There will be plenty of time for questions. And we will always effort the answers. Where we find those with Mr. Tom Korski, Managing Editor, Blacklock Reporter. Happy New Year, my friend. A Happy New Year to you as well, Alex. There you go. It's been a while since we chatted. Obviously, always lots to chat about with you guys. I love this story. I love this story. Via Rail, of course, which had, what, hundreds of millions or millions in, in COVID uh, bailout money. Somehow, you know, it was, uh, I guess, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation dug this one up. But they were able to find that um, 650 managers got a bonus in 2020, 6, how wait, 6434000 in bonuses to 650 managers. So they got, what, ten grand each? And, Almost. Um, a pop, that's right. Crazy. You know, yeah. it's interesting, and at the same time, uh, the taxpayer-owned railway, they were playing Ned the Poor House Boy. They were going to cabinet, begging cabinet, poor pitiful me. We're <laughs> going to have to make drastic cuts, quote-unquote, they said in their corporate plan. If we just can't get more money, more, it's always more. It's interesting, Alex. These are uh, six-figure executives with a Crown Railway, uh, and they're mm. so smart, but they didn't figure this out. When you have mothers dying in hospital waiting rooms, and you have a Crown Corporation that does things like this, the handwriting mm. on the wall says privatization. And it's interesting that they don't see that. It's beyond inexcusable. But as they say in Ottawa, I'm entitled to my entitlements. And they were going to take that bonus, even as they laid off almost a third of their workforce, to hell with you. I want my 10000 And they took it. They took it. And um, I mean, when you see what happened over Christmas with the debacle where you were hearing stories of people stuck on trains for 18 hours, they couldn't even use a bathroom. There was no water, there was no food. And that's not the first time we've heard these stories. It's not like you're getting exceptional, fantastic service from this Crown Corp. That's the interesting part for the vast majority of Canadians who don't have train service. They think if you live between Quebec City and Windsor, it's some, some, some worker's paradise of really great via rail service. Exactly. Newsflash, it's not. It's expensive. It's slow. And it still loses money. And on top of all that, they want to give themselves bonuses because they looked at each other in the mirror and they said, you know what? We are doing a pretty good <laughs> job. Successive governments, when they hit the debt wall, and we're just about there, Alex, mm-hmm. privatization is a way to make a quick buck. This outfit, it's seriously, it has privatization written all over it. Well, most of our Crown Corps do. Uh, we just never seem to see it, but nonetheless, uh, glad it was uh, dug up. Meanwhile, I think this is very important, and, and you can kind of break through the details that you guys have undug, but uh, Cabinet is proposing to launch its long-promised national buyback program of these prohibited firearms. They're going to start this in Prince Edward Island, um, even though I guess uh, they, they are the least of gun owners in, in, in the in the country. Um, and so the RCMP will start it there and then expand the program uh, out from there. So why would Prince Edward Island be the pilot? Because they don't know what they're doing, even though they talked ah. about it three years ago. And so they want trial and error. So they, they're, they're going to pick the, the one province with the fewest licensed gun owners. Mm-hmm. And 
the least gun crime and to see if they can get this straight, figure out compliance, or as they say, information gaps. This is the Department of Public Works that does the heavy lifting on the contracting. They acknowledge they have had uh, what they call reaching out to industry. No one is interested in this this program. It's mm-hmm. evident that the feds have some confusion over what the public safety implication is of buying all these guns. They won't even say how much it's going to cost. By the way, the Parliamentary Budget Office, which is conservative in its estimates, put the cost at three quarters of a billion dollars, and that was two years ago before they had yeah. details. So, the, yeah, the takeaway here is you have this commit cabinet is committed to this this, frankly, odd program there is no evidence by their own admission parliamentary committee it's going to reduce uh, gun crime and promote public safety. But let's start in Summerside PEI, gun crime capital of Canada. <laughs> it would be tragic if it wasn't funny. Yeah. And the other thing is the legislation hasn't even passed. So, I mean, what guns are we actually taking away? And then the other thing is, Tom, whose gun are they taking away? Because most of the people uh, I've spoken to who are legal gun owners are saying, well, we're not handing anything over. I'm, if you think I'm getting rid of my legal gun, I'm not. And so what, are they going to go door to door and knock? Like, how is this all going to work? And how much will they pay for it? And what if I don't right. like the price? Then what? Then is it expropriation? Mm-hmm. Am I calling my lawyer now? Yeah, this is why they're starting in Prince Edward Island, because they, they're, you know <laughs> they're going to make a lot of mistakes, and they're hoping no one notices. Isn't it striking that this was the one uh, gun crime announcement they didn't make about finally beginning to roll out in their own clumsy way this program that was supposed to solve a lot of gun crime problems? Everyone knows it won't. Everybody knows that. Everyone knows it's not. Everyone and everyone in government should know if they've certainly looked to the statistics and the information out of the United States, which have many buyback programs. They don't work. They, yeah, they get a lot of guns and they give it a lot of money, but it does not in any way reduce crime, not gun crime. No, Parliamentary Budget Office looked at a famous buyback program in New Zealand. And you know what they discovered? They discovered they really did not know how many guns were out there until they started to buy them back. And mm-hmm. the cost overruns went into the stratosphere. Yeah. So if we're going to get back to the mothers and the children that are waiting for care in hospitals with emergency rooms closing, and then you start to juxtapose that with fat boy bonuses at Via Rail and hundreds of millions of dollars to be spent buying shotguns from farmers in Prince Edward Island, you start to get a picture. And it's not of good management. Yeah, or that money, to me, uh, should be going to the communities that are ravaged by the gun crime, which always get uh, ignored. But nonetheless, um, it is what it is. So we will stay on that one and and keep an eye on it. Meanwhile, I think this is interesting. So most Canadians would never report a tax cheat uh, because apparently it's none of their business. And this is in-house research by uh, the CRA. And so the uh, I guess they did some focus groups and said informing on neighbors with tax troubles felt communistic. I find this interesting because so many Canadians um, were so quick to um, you know tell those who didn't get vaccinated that they deserve to either die or not get hospital services. And uh, and but when it comes to taxes, they don't want to be snitches or or, or get involved. You know, it's interesting though the the uh, people who ran the witch hunts in the during the heyday of the vaccine mandates that you mentioned, Alex. I think that was actually a very small number of people, but they were the people who tended to get attention, they tended to get on television, they tended to have Mm -hmm. a lot of Twitter followers. If you look at at, at just John Q. Citizen, and this is the Canada Revenue Agency, they're surveying, they're not taking 
surveys down at the Freedom Convoy, they asked mm. accountants, bookkeepers, small business owners, and regular tax filers, what do you think about this? Overwhelming majority said, you know what? Even if I knew my neighbor is cheating, it's none of my business because I'm not going to help the man. I don't know why they're cheating, and I don't see a connection between their cheating and somehow defraying of public institutions. And what's not stated in the survey is implicit. You, you know why people come to that conclusion? Because of via rail bonuses, metaphorically <laughs> speaking. That's why. Yeah. There you go. Nonetheless, um, internal emails revealing that the deputy finance minister, Michael Sabia, wanted to keep the heat off the bank branches after they decided to seize accounts of Freedom Convoy sympathizers. Um, but they were concerned. Michael Sabia was concerned of violence, I guess, against the bank teller as people would try to get their money out. So they wanted a process to make sure that, um, you know, if you lost your bank account, you go to a Go to the police to deal with it. Don't bother the bank. So, you know, again, why this particular side of this story never really got more attention because it is just so egregious what the, what they did is beyond me. But nonetheless, uh, it was all about protecting the banks, which were demanding that this happen. The banks and the finance department are, were pretty tight and have been for many yeah. years and certainly were in this instance. But it was interesting that of all people, during the account freeze, and that meant, for instance, if you were... If your spouse was involved in the Freedom Convoy, you were back in Estevan, Saskatchewan, and you couldn't get gas money or grocery funds out of your account because the joint account was frozen because Deputy Finance Minister said so. The Finance Department's worry was not for those people. They worried about bankers. i got to tell you, uh, the Canadian Bankers Association has a hotline that goes right into the Department of Finance. It is amazing at the jump to the pump service they get from the Department of Finance. It is they are they are joined at the hip, that mm -hmm. private lobby group and the Department of Finance. It's absolutely it's striking. Yeah. Well, the good news is when the bankers told Krista uh, Freeland to call them terrorists, at least she didn't follow their advice. But um, it's surprising uh, how much how much involvement they both have with each other. So stay tuned. Not the last story you guys will find, and we'll keep telling them. Appreciate it. Hope you're feeling well. Sounds like you had a little bit of a cold, and uh, that is what happens when you work too hard and don't get enough of a break. I appreciate it. All the best to you in the new year, Alex. Oh, you bet. And I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. That's Tom Korski. Joining us, of course, Black Locks reporter is subscription-based, but as you hear every Tuesday and Thursday at this time, they deliver the goods.